and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as ever, I am joined by the incorrigible Matt. Hello there. So, full disclosure here, we've just finished our recording of the previous episode, because, um, you know, we tend to do two in a session. And we... Uh, we had to have a short break. We did. <laughs> we Yeah, we, we kind of, we just, uh, we've had we a cup of tea. Out on how bad... Yeah. The last episode. Yeah, is. but the 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 consolation is, is it can only go up from here, right? It can't get much worse. So okay, we're talking about Tooth and Claw. Yes. Um, second episode of series two. Yeah, from the twenty second of April two thousand and six. Yeah, does that date have any particular significance to you? No. no. Uh, just trucking away at uni. I think it, next year it will be Easter Monday. Oh. <laughs> just after my wedding. Ah. Oh. So I think. Pretty sure I watched this one on broadcast. Series two is one of those ones where I'm not sure I caught every episode mm-hmm. um, because you know it's my first year of uni. I had a lot on. Um, I know I missed some pretty significant ones in hindsight, but I've, you know filled in the gaps over the years. But I think I did watch this one. I don't think anyone was impressed with uh, yeah. <laughs> New Earth, but I think if you'd asked me before what sitting down to rewatch it for this podcast. Where I would have put this on your scale, mm-hmm. I would have said meh. But I think I'd actually bump it up a bit. I'd go between meh and bad episode. Really? Basically, I didn't really enjoy it when I watched it. Uh-huh. It's left no lasting impression on me. I can't really see how it ties into the bigger picture mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, it just didn't, didn't, didn't I don't think you. it had any outstanding moments. I don't think it yeah. had any necessarily massively terrible moments I found it a bit boring if I'm totally honest yeah I'll be honest I don't know whether it's just the fact that I was watching it so soon after New Earth that it just looked better by comparison Mm. or what it was but like as I say I would before I'd always had it down as a bit of a mere episode but watching it this time I I quite enjoyed it I had fun with it I don't I think it's perfect I think it's got some serious flaws here and there but um, overall I'd say good episode bad bits see i i'm quite a horror fan right and even werewolves in particular is the sort of thing i quite enjoy yeah you know i think we've talked in the past how i like things like buffy obviously werewolves play into that yeah they sure Um, do and this is a definitely a buffy-esque episode yeah but except for the historical setting absolutely nothing for me do you think the historical setting is a bit of a barrier for you no, no, no. Because so, it seems like you haven't enjoyed the historical ones as but, much overall. But this this could have been set in modern day. I know there's a few things that date it. Yeah, but I mean... But this could be easily transposed to, you know, modern day Scotland. Yeah, with and, Queen Elizabeth II. And it, would be, <laughs> it wouldn't be a million miles from the episode we got. I suppose not. But I don't know. I just didn't have just any... Just didn't, didn't jibe with you. Yeah, yeah, it's nowhere near as bad as the previous episode, mm. but at the same time, prior to New Earth, the last episode we'd watched was The Christmas Invasion. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. So, I I don't know, I think that maybe the bar's been set a bit too high, and I'm just yeah, comparing it, just... it against a special episode that it's never going to you know, yeah. match up to. Possibly, possibly. Well, um, shall we get into the nitty-gritty then? We can do. Yeah. Okay, so it starts with an old monk man. 
It does. Played by, I forget the name of the actor, but... Well, I recognised him yeah. from Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's... Pyat Pri. Yeah, he's the horrible wizardy man yeah. that tries to steal Daenerys' dragons. Yeah, one of the warlocks of Karth. He does yeah. not look like he's aged in the some ten years since no, this episode. He's just I think he was just always been that same gaunt old cr- bald crinkly man. old man, yeah. And um he's so got yeah. He's told he's not welcome in town. Yeah. And he's resting like monk's robes, isn't he? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he basically says that he wants the house. And we'll take it by force. Yeah, there's it's a it's a lovely old Victorian or maybe even pre-Victorian, but like a, a lovely old like stately home, stately home in the in the Scottish Highlands. Yes. Yeah. And somebody uh, I assume to be like the owner of the house yeah. says, "Are you going to take it by the power of God?" And he just says, "No, by the fist of man." And basically, the next bit. Yeah. It's just Shaolin monks beating up peasants. Yeah. And, and it goes on just a little too long. <laughs> it's a little too long. It's, it's like a stunt reel, because yeah. they throw them through a table and the table yeah. explodes. And you've, got like, you've got like a slow motion leap over yeah. the camera. It's very stylized, but I think very of its time. Like the editing and the music, it's all very well, mid-noughties, I, isn't it? Yeah, this was... A period in time where sort of kung fu films had made a bit of a yeah, comeback. Jackie Chan. You know, we had Crouching so. Tiger, Hidden Dragon, we yeah. had Ong Bak and films like that. Yeah, and, and I feel like it just they they just wanted to do that for a bit. Yeah. So they just shoved it in at the start. It would of have this exactly the same impact if he just bopped them on the head with a club. Yeah. Because it just no ends difference. with them all. Sprawled on the floor, yeah. Knocked out. But they just, for whatever reason, they decided they wanted to do some challenge monk nonsense, and by golly, they did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It just goes on. You know? <laughs> then we have the titles. Yeah, and we're then dropped in with Rose and the Doctor. Yeah, they were listening to Ian Jury and the Blockheads. Hit me with your rhythm stick. Yeah, bit of a classic. I'm not a fan. You not? No. I like a bit of Ian Jury every now and then. No. 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 Reasons just... to be cheerful. No. 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 Oh well. No, no. Yeah, no, different strokes. No, no, no. Well, anyway, Rose, it, Rose is up for seeing them live. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously, when he's saying "hit me with your rhythm stick," the Doctor's just hitting Latardis with a hammer. Yeah, that's a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah. And a decide... bit, bit of a callback to the, you know Eccleston's uh, method of piloting the Tardis. Yeah. And they decide they want to go back to 1979. Yeah. To go see Ian Jury. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we know they're not going to because we've just <laughs> seen, like, like Victorian Scotland, Scot- Scotland. Yeah. So, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, they, of course, land in 1879, uh-huh. 100 years off. Uh-huh. Is that the exact problem they had in The Unquiet Dead? Pretty much. Great. In many ways, I feel like this is an echo of Unquiet. It's f- kind of following the same template in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. But Which... in, in a way, I would say that New Earth is sort of similar to the end of the world as well. Yeah, definitely. Same villain, obviously. Yeah, so it's almost a spiritual sequel. But, like, tonally as well. But, I mean, if you think about the parallels we've got with Unquiet Dead here, um, Victorian era again, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously different part of the country, but we have ourselves a celebrity historical figure in Unquiet Dead. It was uh, Dickens in this, without giving the game away, it's, it's Queen Victoria. Yeah. Uh, so this is actually We've got... set ten years after Unquiet Dead. Yeah. I've just well, there you go. My, my yeah. previous notes. So, and on top of that, you've got 
a what on the surface seems to be a supernatural threat. Yeah. Later turns out to be an alien because of course it's an alien because it's Doctor Who. Um, so yeah, a lot of similarities actually. Yeah. Are quite a day. That might be why I don't like it. Yeah, it could possibly. just be repressed memories yeah. coming back. Um, so but anyway, yeah, when they land, they're accosted by some soldiers. Yeah. The soldiers obviously protecting Queen Victoria. Yeah. And the Doctor uses the psychic paper to say that he's actually been sent as her protector. Yes, and he adopts a Scottish accent. Yeah, so we get tenant. Tenant's tenant. natural accent. Yeah. yeah. Um, again. I mean, I see why they would do that. Obviously, having a bit of fun with the fact that he's a Scottish actor. It's frustrating that, with, with, again, we're not really getting the Doctor just being the Doctor. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also, it's Tennant, although he is naturally Scottish, I don't think that's his natural tone. No, I think he's p- putting on um, a bit more of an imperious... Yeah. Um, you know, Almost a stereotypical yeah. Scottish, because... Yeah. He is quite well-spoken. He does have yeah. that Scottish twinge to him when yeah. he's interviewed David Tennant. Yeah. But here he goes full, like, yeah. redhead, Glaswegian, yeah. groundskeeper yeah. Willie. Yeah. But anyway, it was a choice they made. And it, it, there, there is a lovely reference, which he won't have got, but um, he gives his name as uh, James McCrimmon. Yes. Which is a reference to um, a former companion, Jamie Jamie oh, McCrimmon, really? who was a, a Highlander who travelled with the second Doctor. Okay. So you won't actually get to meet Jamie um, so is he better end, than after Ian? we've wrapped up this series. Is he better than Ian and Barbara? Because currently my standing yeah. for companions has Rose at the top, yeah. then literally anyone else, and Ian and Barbara in last place. Oh my God, really? Yeah. I love a bit of Ian and Babs. I'd even put Linda above them, Linda with a Y. What about Vicky? Uh, or Susan? Yeah, they're down the bottom. So, oh, God. Susan might be last. <laughs> yeah, come on. Su- Susan's just... Oh, God. <laughs> She'd be playing that fucking radio all the time. <laughs> yeah. She can get in the bin. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so, so anyway... They're going to a house where yeah. the Queen is planning on spending the night on her travels. Turns out it's the same house as before that was infiltrated by the monks. And we meet Sir Robert... Ah, uh, yes. Um, I'm blanking on the actor's name again. I, it's, so, I, I would agree uh, because, despite being the yeah. main character in this episode, Sir Robert is yeah. the most boring man. Yeah, he's not He's not a great ca- character. And I, and I feel sorry for the actor because the only ways I was going to mention the actor because I remember him from... Do you ever watch The Book Group? No. On Channel 4? No. Yeah, he was one of the main leads in that. I, I don't think it holds up as a series, but I definitely watched all of it. It's one of those things where... It was on at the right time for yeah. me. So, yeah. And it turns out the house that we're staying at is the Torchwood Estate. Ooh-hoo. There we go. Ooh. So, they're being acknowledged again. Yeah. Um, first mentioned. Um, first mentioned in Bad Wolf Party of the Ways. Yes. In Weakest Link. And then um, acknowledged in yeah. the Christmas Invasion. Yes, because we saw a, a manifestation of Torchwood, which seems to be like a big Death Star ray, yes. effectively. And here, suddenly we were at the Torchwood Estate. Yeah. Ooh. And we have a weird small box that's heavily guarded. That gets locked in a safe type yeah. contraption. And we see that the people that were beaten up by the monks earlier are now locked in some sort of coal shed. Yeah. I say locked. They're basically just sat in there, unshackled, yeah. unrestrained. The door's open. Could but, leave at any time. But they're... Uh, they're mostly women, isn't it? And you know, yeah. surely 
incapable of fending yeah. for themselves. Yeah. We've got to remember this is, <laughs> yeah. you know, pre-women's equality <laughs> yeah. back in 2006. Yeah, just like, uh, just put them in a cupboard and they'll just sit there and just be like, oh no, I'm in a cupboard now. <laughs> yeah. um, um, yes. There is a cage with yeah. that has a cloaked man in it. Yeah. So we'll come back to that point, I'm sure. Yeah. Now, in my notes next, I've just put, they look at a telescope for fucking ages. <laughs> like, a good third of this episode yeah. is just spent looking at a broken telescope. <laughs> yep. Having a long, laborious conversation about who built the telescope, uh, which, for reference, was um, Sir Robert's father. father. Yeah. The fact that it doesn't work, etc., etc. That when the... the Oh, we haven't talked about the, the the running gag in this episode, which really gets on my tits with, with Rose's bet to make Queen Victoria say we are not amused. Yeah. And so she has a go at that. And yeah, that, it just that it, it does, on and on, it does it? drag on. How would you feel if that never actually played into the solution of the episode? <laughs> just, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. <laughs> um, so yeah, they just talk about this telescope. And then they talk about the telescope a little bit more. Yeah. And just when you think they're done, they talk about the telescope some more. Yeah. And they also have a bit of a chat about how that there's a story of uh, a wolf. A wolf. That prowls around. But just before yeah. Sir Robert can explain it, he's cut off by yeah. the nasty monk man. Yeah. And they find out there's a full moon tonight. Yeah. I wonder where this is going. Yeah. So um, already were you like... Uh, at what point did you twig that we were going to have a werewolf episode? Because you have obviously hadn't watched the next time trailer. No, no, no. I yeah. think at this point I'd probably put two and two together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're not subtle about it, are they? No, no. Don't think it's at this point. I think it's later on where they're having dinner where they just talk about the wolf for yeah. ages. Yeah. So if you haven't worked it out by then, you yeah. know what's coming. Absolutely. So, at this point, all the guards that have come with Queen Victoria yeah. are poisoned yeah. and knocked out. Yeah. And Rose is getting dressed for dinner. Yeah. And when she opens the wardrobe, she just finds a girl yeah. called Flora. Yeah. Who I assumed would, you know, take on a leading part in this episode. Yeah. Literally 20 seconds later, she's just kidnapped. Yeah. No, she's, she's basically purely there to kind of... Um, be in the wardrobe. Yeah. I think does, doesn't it. she doesn't she mention something to to Rose about that you know this is it like it's basically a hostage situation here and mm. I think maybe I, I don't know I can't remember anyway um, so but yeah Rose gets snatched and taken down to the cellar with the, with the others going back to the dinner party yes my notes say at dinner the doctor implores Sir Robert to tell the story yeah but the Queen yaks on for fucking ages yeah I actually. Th- quite enjoy this scene it's a quieter scene but i think that the actor playing queen victoria and david tennant spark off each other pretty well in a similar way in fact to the way eccleston and callow click in the unquiet dead where you've got this kind of it's a bit of a trope with the episodes where the um we have like a celebrity historical Mm -hmm. uh figure um, that they sort of recognise something in the Doctor and, and you have this kind of meeting of minds sort yeah. of vibe. And I, and I get that quite strongly here um, because Queen Victoria, she's quite eloquent and, or, you know, actually witty at one point. And they kind of make a point that, that she's got that sycophantic captain 
Um, in old Doctor Who, classic yes. Doctor Who, yeah. does he make a habit of meeting historical figures? Not to the same extent as they right. do in the new series. Because obviously the only one we've watched, he meets a weird insect monster and a man in a sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, not as often, no. Right. Often with the historical ones in uh, the classic series, it tended to be more about the period. Right. And so he just concocting be in ancient st- Greece, yeah. but never meet historical yeah. figures. From Having that. said that, in the Romans, he meets uh, Emperor Nero. Okay. And it's essentially like a carry-on film. Right. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's. Yeah, it doesn't happen as regularly. I'm sure there are a few examples here and there, but with the historical ones, it tend to be more about just using the period as a setting rather yeah. than specific people. But yeah, with with the modern series, the majority of historical episodes, or at least half of them, it's basically an excuse to get a guest actor in to do a turn as insert historical yeah. figure here. So, yeah. Right. So Rose, at this point, has been kidnapped. Is put in with the other prisoners who tell her that the man in the cage is not mortal. Yeah. At this point, we yes. finally get an explanation from Sir Robert. Yeah. And he says that the story's 300 years old. Uh-huh. Every full moon, there's a howling. Yeah. Then livestock are found ripped apart. Yeah. The guards previously dismissed this just as thieves. Yeah. Just ransacking the land. Yeah. Sometimes a child vanishes. Yes. So it's once in a generation. Every generation. Yeah, a yeah. boy will go missing. So, not your standard werewolf tale, so give them a bit of credit. There's a bit of, uh, there's something else going on here yeah. beyond your, yeah. your typical werewolf story. Yeah, it's not as simple as full moon comes and somebody turns into a wolf. There's a nice bit of history behind it. Yeah. So Rose now speaks to the person in the cage yeah. to say that he's not from Earth. Yeah, he's he's you like immediately he's like acting possessed. He's talking yeah. as though And we find out that yeah. his body is from Earth, but his yeah. consciousness is not. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And back with Sir Robert, he tells the doctor it's a man who becomes an animal. Let's not gloss over the fact that in that scene you've got the the uh, the cage man says there's something of the wolf about you to Rose. Yes. Well, I I've got that yeah. here. It's when he reveals his plan, which is to possess Queen Victoria. Yeah. And essentially take rule of England. Yeah. He then says, there's something of the wolf about her. Yeah. And I think he says something like, you are the wolf of the sun? Or the oh, you, wolf of light? Yeah, you burned so brightly or something yeah, like that. And yeah. then he says, all he needs is the moon. Yeah. And I think I'm right in saying that's the point at which Where the full goes, moon yeah. shines through the window onto yeah. him. And he gets and the he begins to transform. So, you know how we were saying in the last episode that we were done with Bad Wolf? Yeah. It's still here, isn't it? Yeah. Still lingering in the air like a, <laughs> like a silent farce. It's just put it to bed. Yeah. I mean, they probably will at this point, right? They, they better. <laughs> I mean, if the whole episode's about wolves, I did think it was coming. Yeah. But, you know, without giving the game away, that's the only time it's addressed in this episode. Yeah. It never Nothing goes any further. It. It's just like, remember Bad Wolf? Remember how annoying that was? It's it's almost as though RTD just couldn't resist the urge. He saw the connection, and he had to chuck it in there, even it just needs though to grow up. Just needs to... <laughs> That's RTD. your advice to him, yeah, is it? RTD just needs to grow up. <laughs> yeah. 
think that's your inner teacher coming well, I, out I'll, there, isn't it? I'll tell you a story. I, I take I, it you don't, you're not a fan of smart aleck kids in your class. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I went out this week with some friends. You yeah. know, it's the Christmas season. And one of those friends in particular is frequently referred to as Captain Gobshite. Because <laughs> he just talks absolute nonsense. So yeah. we agreed that we would have an in-joke, because he arrived later than everyone else, uh-huh. that we would have an in-joke that meant literally nothing. Mm-hmm. So every conversation, we dropped in the phrase, bare ass," <laughs> and everybody laughed. After the first three or four times, he started laughing, and then he started to use that phrase in his <laughs> conversation, and it just literally meant nothing. Oh, man. That's what I feel RTD is doing to me. <laughs> He's bare arsing me. With Bad Wolf. Yeah. And yeah. Torchwood. And Face of Bo's <laughs> Secret. Yeah. And to a lesser extent, where the hell is Susan? But I suppose that's not just RTD. That's yeah. all of Doctor Who. All of Doctor Who. You yeah. know, Boo Who. Doctor Who's on his own, even though he really knows he isn't. <laughs> you know. I mean, post-Time War, it, you know, things changed. But... He put Susan after the Time War. But the Time War is time-locked. Right. I don't know. <laughs> this whole... This was a bad idea. We should have never <laughs> agreed to do this. Right. Okey-doke. Right, so he's turned into a wolf. Yeah. Rose frees all the captives. Mm-hmm. The monk starts chanting. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a bit nah. weird. They're all sat having dinner. And that's the thing, because it's not like the chanting does... Uh, how is that It affect? doesn't bring the wolf or anything. Nah. They're all I literally mean, having dinner, and he's stood in the corner doing... I get, yeah, I guess my theory is it's kind of like the Lovecraftian um, cultist idea. In the, They're kind of meddling with things that they don't necessarily understand mm-hmm. fully. Like... They're kind of obviously pledged in servitude to this wolf, and maybe some of these rituals have sprung up around it that are kind of actually superfluous to the way it actually works. But that's, I mean, that's me filling in the blanks and doing RTD's job for him, really. (laughs) Although, when he does start chanting and carrying on, the Queen just shoots him. Yeah. Just stone cold dead as well. For all the supernatural elements, he doesn't then. Come back to life. No. He is dead. Unlike in Game of Thrones, where he is a powerful warlock, in this yeah. guy, he is just a creepy man in a in a monk's costume. Okay. <laughs> and then my next notes are: everyone runs around for a bit. Yeah. What does that, that remind you? Of? A bit like Scooby Doo. I was expecting yeah. them to be chased by the wolf through a door, yeah. then come back out the door chasing the wolf. Yeah. It, it's very Scooby Doo. Yeah. And then, God, can you imagine if this show actually just did a scene like that? I'd love it. Would you? Yeah. And then <laughs> the next part, there's an overconfident soldier who yeah. says, I'll slay the wolf, I'll hang its hide on my wall. Yeah. He's immediately killed. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's quite a good scene because that moment breaks up the fact that they then just start running round again. Yeah. So it's a nice little there's break of... from what could be about 10 to 15 minutes mm-hmm. of just running constantly. I wonder how this, um, whether it would have increased your enjoyment if through those scenes, instead of Murray Gold's soaring, sweeping soundtrack, we just had a bit of yakety sax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or the Benny Hill thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, 
And it turns out this ominous box from the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. is now missing, but the Queen has it, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll be totally honest, I know we'll make the revelation towards the end, I had literally no idea what was in that box. Yeah, what even, uh, presumably after it was revealed. Even when it was revealed. You were just like, I, I watched the episode with the subtitles yeah. on, so I was able to Wikipedia yeah. it quickly. Yeah. You'd never heard of it before. No. 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 Yeah. Okay. So, I think it does It does feel a bit like RTD had just, he'd been Googling around for yeah, Victorian he'd read things. in the paper. Thought, yeah. That's interesting. I'll segue that into yeah. the episode. Yeah. Okay. So they then hide in a room. Mm hmm. And they deduce there's something in the room that stops the wolf from chasing them. Yes. Um, so you can sort of hear it outside the room. Mm-hmm. I think there's a moment where the doctor presses his ear to the door. Yeah. And you can see the werewolf at the other side. Which I think is, is pretty... I think the tension building in that scene is actually pretty effective. Well, um, whilst we just said that the, um, the wolf is on the other side of the door. Yeah, yeah. What did you make of the effect of the wolf? Yeah, we haven't really talked about that, have we? Yeah. I think it's some of the best CGI we've had so far on the show. Which isn't to say that it doesn't look a bit dated, because I think mm. it does. But I think for the time, I think it's a step above anything in series one. I think the transformation scene yeah. is definitely quite good. Yeah. And yeah, the general so. effects of the wolf running round, again, quite good. Hi everyone, um, we just took a little break from recording there because as we were talking we actually had our first ever tweet, which is always nice. Yeah. So, a message from Daniel Martinez. So we just wanted to acknowledge that that happened as we were recording. Yeah, I think that's our first proper um, direct communication with uh, a complete stranger who's yeah. apparently listening to our show. So that's fantastic. surreal. Yeah. So if you do want to get in touch, as always, we are at time nor space pod at gmail.com likewise on twitter we are at time nor space pod yeah so it would be lovely to hear from all of you because we don't we know there's i mean there's not that many of you but there are some of you out there listening to us so and we really do appreciate hearing from you guys so yeah, yeah. thanks and very much some decent suggestions from daniel for things for us to look into yeah so thank you very much for that and as promised here's your shout out Okay, so back to the episode. Mm-hmm. They're still hiding in the room. Yeah. And whilst they're in there, Sir Robert's wife, who is elsewhere, probably the most nothing character in this episode, maybe even less so than Sir Robert. Yeah. She just sort of crops up for a little bit of exposition whenever we need it. Yeah. Uh, she notices that the monks are wearing like reefs of mistletoe yes. around their neck. Yeah. And amazingly, at exactly the same moment, the Doctor realises that Sir Robert's dad had oiled the wood panelling in the room they're hiding in yeah. with mistletoe oil. Yes, and he figures it out by literally just licking the door. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we talked last episode that he has some amazing understanding of medicine. Yes. And here we are, he also seems to understand, you know, wood treatments. Yep. And basic fauna. Yeah, well, he's been around a while, hasn't he? He's picked up a thing or two over the years. How many doors do you think he's licked in that time? I'm going to say upwards of 100. Wow. I'd say he's he's, he's licked 
at least one door every, for every nine years. Wow. wow. <laughs> so yeah, about a hundred hundred so, doors. Yeah, I'm thirty three, so I should have I'm coming up to my fourth door. Yeah. In terms of lickage. Would you would you say you're 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 above or below the doctor's average then? Do you think have you have you would say you've licked four doors in your lifetime? Not intentionally. Not knowingly. No. It could be the classic where I've pulled faces on doors no. yeah. with glass panels. I don't think I am not much of a door licker. I have walked into quite a few doors, like more than I care to admit. Yeah. Quite recently, um, I was <laughs> I was uh, walking out of Tesco, mm-hmm. and I was staring at my phone, listening to a podcast, um, and just somehow managed to walk into an automatic door. Like the the idea with automatic doors is that they open so yeah you literally can't walk, but still somehow managed to walk into the automatic door uh, in the entrance to Tesco, and completely buggered my headphones in the process. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was fun. It doesn't sound it. No, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> Good. The, tr- the trouble is that my sarcastic voice is exactly the same. same as my normal voice. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sir Robert then tells the tale of how his dad found a shooting star that fell to earth. Yeah. Which is odd because they say that this tale is 300 years old. That would make his dad the oldest ever living human <laughs> being. But Hang yeah. on, sorry. Just run that past me again. Right. Right. Earlier on, yeah. whilst they're having dinner together, yes. Sir Robert says yeah. the story of this wolf yes. is 300 years old. Yes. He later yeah. claims that his father yeah. found a shooting star that fell to earth. Jeez. Okay, now it's not addressed at this point, but yeah. we, we've seen the resolution yeah. of the episode. We know that the wolf, wolf is, is linked to this, this shooting star. So, well, that need that should have been picked up in the second draft, shouldn't it? Yeah. So, Sir, Ro- Sir Robert's dad must have been in his mid to late two hundreds when he had his son. Maybe he was a time lord. <laughs> I mean, not he can't be because all the time lords are dead. But oh god, no, I, yeah. don't, I don't know what's going on there. Okay, so well, I, I might need some clarification for this part. Right. Much like when the Dalek emperor leader god whatever fell to earth. Yeah. I I didn't quite wrap my head around this uh-huh. basically there was a life form in the shooting star yeah a single cell of that survived yeah somehow werewolves yeah well basically i think it's suggesting that this alien life form this essence if you like has inhabited a human body and maybe can harness the power of moonlight to transform into something approaching its natural form. Mm-hmm. That's think, my I understanding, the, I think. I think the Doctor does give it a name. It, yeah, he rattles off some science sounding yeah. mumbo-jumbo. I know it's definitely got lycanthrope yeah, in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's basically just an attempt to science away werewolves. Yeah. In classic Doctor Who fashion... It wants to have its cake and eat it. They want to do a werewolf episode. They don't want to pollute the Doctor Who world by introducing actual magic. See, I think not not the film starring Will Smith, but mm. the original book of I Am Legend yeah. by Robert Matheson, I think, has a really, really explicit, scientific, fully supported explanation of vampirism. Yeah. Uh, I think as a virus, but it can specify not just a virus, but specifically what type of virus uh-huh. it is, yeah. because it's photosensitive to sunlight. Yeah, and I hold that book in a special regard because it's one of the few sort of horror novels that is entrenched in science. Yeah, um, 
That's not the case here, is no, it? No, no. This is Doctor Who. This is this is for seven year olds yeah. whilst they're having their beans on toast. So <laughs> you know, cut cut them a bit of slack. So the next thing then would be why don't werewolves like mistletoe? I don't know. I is it some meaning... sort of reverse catnip scenario? I don't know. Well, well, okay. So two things. First, I want. There was one of the things that I was intending to look up before we did the recording, and I didn't have time for whether there was any folklore tradition. Mm-hmm. which associates uh, werewolves with mistletoe. Because we all know about silver bullets and stuff like that, but maybe if you dig far enough in, yeah. in folklore... I, I'm right, I think I'm right in saying the reason silver, in mm. terms of silver bullets and what have you, yeah. comes up in this sort of mythology yeah. is due to the fact it's a sterilising yeah. um, chemical. Yeah. So you know it's quite often put in plasters yeah. to stop bacteria growing. Yeah, and with, with with mistletoe, I know that um, it's you know very important in the pagan tradition, uh, mm-hmm. druid you know druidic practices and stuff. Mistletoe is a very um, it's considered to be like a very potent and and significant plant. So maybe there is some genuine folklore uh, element to mm-hmm. it. But if there is, I've I'm not actually aware of it. And the in universe in the episode, the explanation they give is. Uh, well, that the doctor gives is that it's not necessarily that there is any property within the mistletoe, but that they have somehow trained the werewolf to. Yes, that's right. Some sort of Pavlovian to, yeah. conditioning. Yeah. Okay, so in the room, protected from the werewolf, we finally get the revelation of what the thing in the box is. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you might have to correct my pronunciation. It's the Koinur. Koinur, maybe? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I've, I've Big old diamond. Yeah. Okay. It's translated yeah. as the mountain of light. Yeah. And they, they conveniently gloss over the fact that, you know, it's just... I mean, well, they, they mentioned that it's spoils of war, but um, boy, does this episode not want to address colonialism in any meaningful yeah. fashion. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We might have to wait a little while for Doctor Who to really properly grapple with that one. Yeah. Okay, and basically, it's the greatest diamond in the world, uh-huh. and the Queen was taking it to a jeweller's to have it recut. Yes, because apparently um, the late King Alfred, um, not Alfred, Albert. King Albert. Prince yeah. Albert. Prince Albert? Yeah, whatever. That, is it I, Prince Albert? Yeah, it's Prince Albert, yeah. Isn't that a penis piercing? Yes, it is, yeah. Named, named after the very same. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, well, yeah, Prince- legend has it, he, 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 he pioneered it. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> so he, so Prince Albert and Sir Robert's father mm. had a plan to trap the wolf. Yes. Okay. So the doctor is finally starting to put two and two yeah. together here. Is this after, um, sorry, because I don't have any notes for this bit, but I think we may have skipped past the part where they're in the library and, and um, someone, is it the captain of the guards, like, oh, we've got no weapons. And uh, the doctor has the line. Uh, we're surrounded by the greatest weapons you could have. Yes. Books and that's that is one of those moments that does stick out for me. I think that is a very Doctor Who moment. You wouldn't really get any other character making that point. Yeah, I that's think. one of those yeah. phrases he uses that yeah. sticks with you. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know it really put um, you know chimes with the ethos of the show in that this is a hero that prizes knowledge over 
physical violence. The one, the one phrase that sticks with me is from Father's Day, yeah, where Rose says, "Well, what difference does it make? I saved one person." Yeah. And Doctor Who says, "You know, one person is the difference. Yeah, one person is always the difference." Yeah. So that's the one that stuck with me. Yeah, but it yeah. is one of those phrases that you know stands out. Yeah, definitely. It's it's like if you were to kind of cobble together a sort of Doctor Who manifesto, I think that's something that would be in there. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So whilst the Doctor's piecing this all together, yes, the wolf falls through the glass ceiling. Yeah, I think. They have a realisation, don't they, that they can't hear it outside the door. Anymore. Yeah, and then you suddenly hear the glass starting to crack right. under the ceiling That's of the right. observatory. Yeah, Which, again, I think nicely done. Like the, 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 Some of these moments of tension later in this episode, I think, actually do play pretty well. Because this scene reminds me of, from the, the Empty Child, the typewriter scene. Yes. Where you are engaged in the conversation, so yeah. you don't actually know... Yeah. Or you don't actually think about the fact the typewriter's still yeah. going. Yeah. And here they've sp- they've been deep in conversation yeah. Yeah. and all of a sudden they just say, Well, where is the wolf? Yeah. And as soon as you think, Where is the wolf? Yeah. You're shown that it's up on the up on the ceiling. Yep. Okay. So Sir Robert's wife throws mistletoe water over it. Yeah. And Sir Robert fights it with a sword. Yeah. And when she does that, doesn't it sort of like fizzle a bit yeah like that there is actually a reactive element to to yeah. the mistletoe thing but even though we assumed already... that was the case but they tell us it isn't <laughs> yeah so again proven it's proven to be again I, I i'm feeling like this script could have just done with one more draft just to tidy up those little moments yeah like just pick one is it is it genuinely reactive or not yeah. anyway right so the doctor deduces that the telescope is actually a light chamber. Yes. So earlier on when he's yakking on about the telescope for forever, yeah. he says, you know, it's got far too many lenses yeah. and different bits and bobs and it would never work as a telescope. So yeah. we find out it was never, never intended, intended to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And actually the reason that Prince Albert kept having the Koh-i-Noor reshaped and recut was because it needed to be perfect in order to focus the beam. Yeah. Okay. So his intention was to use that diamond mm-hmm. as a focusing lens for this yeah. weapon, yeah. as it were, against the wolf. Mm-hmm. So finally, the moonbeam is in the right place. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of it, slightly too long with the with the slow clanking of the. Yeah, the, the, the I, I must admit, to... I had to watch this a couple of times mm. because when the light beam comes through. Yeah. The doctor sort of throws something in his path, yeah. in its path, which is the diamond. Now, it's not super clear, is it? No, because he spends that much time fiddling. I yeah. assumed he'd maybe fitted it yeah. into the device, which I I think I did on uh, like the first time I watched it as well. But Cause no, he doesn't. It took he just, me yeah. definitely two or three viewings mm. to work out that's what he was doing. Yeah. So he throws the diamond yeah. in the path of the light beam. Yeah. And it hits the wolf. Yeah. Okay. Which disintegrates it. Well, kind of. It kind of it for. At first, it kind of holds it in stasis, like almost in midair. Yes. And you yeah. see, you sort, you sort of see the wolf exterior kind of dissipate, and you've got this kind of ghostly outline of of the the human figure. Um, and then he actually sort of begs for the doctor to make it brighter. But I, to... I wonder 
fully released. Because him. it's established earlier that the yeah. body is human, but the consciousness yeah. isn't. So it's possessed yeah. in yeah. a similar way to the Gelf yeah. from the first series. Yeah, exactly. Again, another but, conscious, yeah, quiet dead. But would yeah. the moonbeam... I, I assumed it would free that person from... Yeah. The grasp of whatever the werewolf alien is. I think potentially too far gone. You know, they're yeah. they're they're already you know infected by it, and that's it. Because it, yeah. it doesn't establish how long they've been under the spell, for yeah. want of a better phrase. But it does seem to have been. I think a good while because because they said it, a boy goes missing, and he's a young man, but yes. he's a fully grown man yeah. by the time we we see him. So yeah, yeah, right. Then we get to. A bit that I've said this isn't the strongest episode. Yeah. This bit, absolutely. I was going to say dog shit, but yeah. let's go wolf shit. <laughs> okay. So Queen Victoria starts to act all shifty. Yeah. The doctor asks whether she's been bitten. Yeah. And then we have this long, drawn out diatribe that we don't need about how all the royal family are werewolves. Yeah. Like, things like they enjoy blood sport and. Yeah. They link it to haemophilia mm, as being the royal disease. Yeah, so. I don't love this. I don't love this, and I'm and this is and that's not me sticking up for the royal family who are fucking parasites. But yeah. <laughs> it's just it feels contrived yeah. and unnecessary, and it also plays into this vibe that especially you get with Rose. But both and and I think in both of the episodes, uh, this and the previous one, where. They're almost not taking it seriously. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they're 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 having so much banter and larks with one another that they're almost just swanning about, pointing and laughing at it, and rather than kind of, you know, people died. Yeah. People died in this scenario, yeah. and they're just hooting about the fact that it's literally let's get in the TARDIS. See you later. Yeah. Because I mean, the Queen does exile them. Yeah, you know, she exploits. she knight- knights them and then exiles them. Yeah, which is you know, you know she mentions the classy. fact that the doctor has <laughs> slipped from his Scottish accent. Yeah, which also that that wrong foots me every time. I've never managed to pinpoint the moment that he yeah. uses the accent. Yeah, which I, I think is impressive. Actually, I, I wonder if it's when the danger begins. I think probably it is, and and by that time you're so wrapped up in the tension of it yeah. that you don't notice that he's dropped the Scottish accent. But yeah, yeah, um, I really because the thing is, it's always so long between me viewing this episode that I forget that that's a feature, mm. so I never look out for it. <laughs> and then, ultimately, the episode draws to a close once yeah. they've left in the TARDIS. And, and we get a little epilogue. Yeah, the Queen acknowledges, you know, that these supernatural attacks are occurring. Yeah. Britain needs to be ready. She looks at the name of the stately home. Yeah. And says, this will be the base of our defence. Yeah. We see the sign above the door. It says Torchwood. Yeah. Which I quite liked. Yeah. It's 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 an interesting way to go about it. You could only really do this in a time travel series. Have, like, the, the origin story of an institute... Um, like three or four episodes after it's first been yeah. introduced. I think, I think that's quite good because obviously yeah. Torchwood is not to belittle it, but like an afterthought. Yeah. And this ingrains it yeah. into the yeah. timeline. I think this makes it less of just a bad wolf situation. Yeah. It's not yeah. just a, a words for the sake of it. We already have a, a more solid understanding of, at this point, what it would go on to be, 
Yes. Because we've seen that in the Christmas Invasion already. But now we're also seeing how it came about. Yes. Um, and and we get the, the initial statement of intent yeah. behind Torchwood. Now, so, yeah. I'm leaning towards, and you may kibosh this idea yeah. immediately, at the end of this series, when we reach our end of a season spectacular, uh-huh. I think rather than read through another Decided Destiny book, uh-huh. I'm going to watch the first episode of Torchwood. Are you? Yeah. yeah. I just want to see what that's all about. Okay, I'll join I, you in that. I think that's fair, because yeah. it's acknowledged enough now mm-hmm. that if it is dropped in and becomes you know, a key point... Yeah. Maybe just the first episode. I mean... <sighs> I know we vowed at the beginning we that there's enough <laughs> Doctor Who to yeah. watch without yeah. watching Torchwood. But I, I just think it's clearly being acknowledged mm-hmm. that a logical step would be for us to watch Yeah. That. To be clear, they were starting pre-production on Torchwood whilst this series was airing. Mm. They were gearing up to do it and this really was a way of kind of promoting Torchwood mm-hmm. through the, the show. And there is actually, like, if you want to, there is a, a viewing order that people establish for if you want to intersperse the two. Oh, to really? kind of So we could do that, but... No. I, no. I think one episode <laughs> and we just drop it in. Yeah. Because chances yeah. are I'll probably enjoy it more than Doctor Who. This it's quite a, possible. This will become a Torchwood themed yeah. podcast. <laughs> I mean, certainly Torchwood aims to be more adult than um, okay. Doctor Who. That's kind of its remit. Um, I think, is it worth mentioning whilst we're discussing Torchwood? John yeah. Barrowman came third in I'm a Celebrity. Ah, oh, well done. He did quite well. One Got thing I didn't know, yeah. he's in his 50s. Yeah, he looks better than I do. <laughs> I'm 33. <laughs> if I looked like that when I was in my 50s, John Barrowman. Yeah. Fair yeah. play to the man. He's an absolutely beautiful human being. <laughs> my partner watched the series, so I caught bits of it uh-huh. with sort of a keen eye on Barrowman. Yeah. And he's just a lovely chap. Yeah. He's very very popular on the convention circuit. Really? Yeah, he's he, he's he like does basically one man convention panels because he just has that much charisma. Yeah. Well, that he could just hold in, a, in, an audience. In the finale of yeah. I'm a Celebrity, he was the one that was eating penises and eyeballs. Yeah. And he just did it because he yeah. knew it would help everyone out. Yeah. As I put he's out a, he's on, a, just a natural entertainer. As I put out on our Twitter, John Barrowman is third place in the jungle. First place in our hearts. I would agree with that. Okay. Well, whilst we're just talking of sort of off topic. Yeah. Okay. I think since our last recording, it was announced no Christmas episode for Doctor Who this year. No. In but... fact, this episode will be released after Christmas, yeah. possibly before New yeah. Year's. Yeah. So break uh, yeah. with tradition. Yeah. It's going to feel weird for me because that really, the, the Christmas, I don't think I have missed a Christmas Doctor. Uh, special for Doctor Who on Christmas Day mm-hmm. ever like I've not always occasionally I've had to sneak it in on iPlayer a couple of hours later after initial broadcast but the majority of them I've actually watched on broadcast as well mm. um, usually a few drinks in and when they're really good I'll get a bit weepy really <laughs> yeah oh. some of the later ones especially okay um, one, one final question I yeah. want to ask because we're now at a point where the first series with Jodie Whittaker has come to an end. Yeah. Okay. Would you describe it as good, bad, good with bad bits, or bad with good bits? 
blimey, that is a question and a half. Talking about the series as a whole. Um, bad. With many good bits. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, I, at the risk of speaking yeah, out of no, turn, go for it. when I've sort of looked at reviews, you know, uh-huh. it's quite often on the BBC News website, yeah, yeah. is that the critiques of the series relate to historical representation in terms of things like the Rosa Parks mm. episode. And the positives seem to all link to Jodie Whittaker and her portrayal. Yeah. I would... Well, I wouldn't say that my critiques... The, 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 this is an oversimplification, but I would say the core cast, all really, really strong. Not always given enough to do. Mm-hmm. I think Jodie Whittaker has made a good start, but I don't think she has had many scripts that really match her talents. Mm-hmm. I, the, it's been the writing that has been the downfall of this series for me. I Why think. doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> is RTD back? <laughs> no. Good old Chris Chibnall. Um, but yeah, a lot of the guest written episodes have been really, really strong. Um, and for me, it's been the Chris Chibnall episodes that have really let the series as a whole oh, down. Right. Um, and it's, that's been quite frustrating. To the point that actually we were discussing the fact that there's no Christmas episode. Instead, it's been we've got a New Year's special instead. Yes. I'm potentially kind of glad that Chris Chibnall isn't going to ruin Christmas Day for me. Wow. <laughs> Wow, big words. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's been a really difficult one for me. There's, there's, and we'll get there eventually. But mm-hmm. there has been so much that I have loved about this last series, but also so much that I found really frustrating or disappointing or poorly thought through, and it feels like a disservice to the cast that they've got because not just Jodie Whittaker, but Bradley Walsh, fucking revelation. Really, he is so good. I would go so far as to say as he is my favourite thing about series oh, eleven. Wow. So that's something for you to look yeah, forward to. Definitely. Um, I like Bradley Walsh. I like the yeah. chase. I mean, he's but that's the thing. I, I like the chase as well. But I would never have had him pegged for the for the level of uh, mm. acting that he brings to that uh, series. So you might be in he's for a, a surprise. Man of many talents. Didn't he, he have like the biggest selling album of last year? I wouldn't. Put I think it he did him. like a swing classics album. I think the thing is, he is like your classic song and dance man, isn't he? Mm. He, you know, a bit of an all round entertainer. Um, but yeah, but I never had him pegged for a serious oh, actor. And yeah, he brings the goods. Uh, once upon a time, I went to visit a friend of mine at university in Sheffield. Yeah, and we were walking through the botanical gardens, and there was uh, an art display, uh-huh. and one of the uh, paintings on sale was an eight thousand pound oil painting of Bradley Walsh. <laughs> like, oh, as in, like, he must have posed for it because it was in similar similar pose and posture that you would see royalty painted. <laughs> £8,000. I, I will never forget that because I just thought, what? What? <laughs> what is this? Like, and me I and mean, my friend Chris <sighs> must... Have you ever seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I haven't. It's one the, of my many the, film blind spots. The, there's a scene where his friend just... They go to an art gallery uh-huh. and he's just staring at this piece of work. It's absolutely beautiful. John yeah. Hughes. Probably my favourite moment in the film. Uh-huh. And he's just trying to make sense of this piece of art. Uh-huh. Me and my friend Chris, it was near identical. We just <laughs> stared. And then our eyes went yeah. to the price. Then the eyes went back to Bradley. <laughs> then the price. Yeah, I mean, 
No one is. No one is dropping eight thousand quid. Ironically, are they? I wonder if it's sold. Somebody out there will be a big enough what Bradley Welsh fan. Yeah. I mean, I, I to to be to be clear, much as I was just singing his praises in Series Eleven, I wouldn't be dropping that kind so of money on. I assume the only person that would pay eight thousand pounds for an oil painting of Bradley yeah. Walsh is Bradley Walsh. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't think he's that vain. No, I wouldn't no. pay 8,000 quid for an oil painting of myself. I think I would. I think would you? I think it'd be quite nice to have. I'd, maybe not eight grand, because yeah, exactly. I don't eight have grand. eight grand to drop. But if I did... I guess he's 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 a wealthier man than you or I. Yeah. He's rolling I, in I, that chase money. This isn't GCSE art. This was photograph quality yeah. portrait. We we've gone way 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 off task. We have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, Queen Victoria established Torchwood. Yeah. Um, yeah. End of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I say, I didn't remember this one as fondly as uh, as I ended up enjoying it on this occasion. So, <laughs> but you're still after talking it through. You're still not convinced. It's just a bit dull, isn't it? I don't. It's no one quiet dead. We can both agree on that. I'd give it level peggings, but I know we hold them in very different, different regards. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, um, next episode, I you know I haven't got it written down. I'm trying to rack my brains. Is I think it, it's school reunion. School reunion. I only know that. Right. I haven't seen the trailer, but it yeah. came up on my iPlayer. I'm trying to remember finished. if it's that or, or Idiot's Lantern. Or is no, that it's definitely one? school reunion. School reunion, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that'd be an interesting one. Did you watch the next time trailer? No, 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 no. But yeah. Because it's on my iPlayer, yeah. it came up next episode. Yeah, so that's so how I know it's School Reunion. I'm going Fab. blind again. All right. Well, that'll be an interesting one to talk about. So until next time, thanks very much for listening. Uh, don't forget, um, if you want to uh, follow suit of our lovely listener who got in contact with us earlier, uh, timenorspacepod at gmail.com or on the old tweets, it's... Uh... At timenorspacepod. Yeah. So, any suggestions on what you think the face of Bo's secret could be? Yeah, we'd love to hear about that. I um, think it could be that he has a really tickly nose <laughs> and no means to scratch it, and he's been alive for five billion oh, years. And good lord, you know that's it. The agony of that—that that is that's a haunting. Be- before thought. I picked you up this morning, <laughs> whilst I was waiting in the car for about three minutes, I had the biggest sneezing fit. And I still feel like I may have had a heart attack in amongst it all. Oh, good Lord. Right. On that note. (laughs) Yeah, until next time, thanks very much for listening. Cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. Feel free to get in contact with us. Our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com. Alternatively, over Twitter, we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.